became a cop. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. We, um, we dove into the belly of the beast this week, didn't we, Tanner? Yeah, we inhabited the psyche. I almost the... didn't didn't come out of it. I mean, I don't think I came out of it unscathed. No, you're changed. You're a changed man. I can tell that about you yeah. now. Yeah. You're not the same Jack I know. No. But maybe for the better. I think for the better. I feel stronger. I, I certainly feel stronger. I feel more equipped, yeah. you know. I, I in a way I wish we had we had read this book before we started the series cuz then I would have known you know, I when I when I first moved to New York City. Yeah. My parents accompanied me and we went on a lot of those red bus tours around the city. Yeah. Those like double decker red bus tours. Mhm. And I really got to know New Manhattan and Brooklyn pretty intimately from that. And I feel like it it helped me sort of like get my bearings for the next 12 years that I lived in the city, you know? Yeah. And I feel like this this book we read today would have been good a good exercise. I wish we'd done this first. We should have done this first to really yeah. understand. It was a what huge we mistake. Into. Yeah. It's part of the scholastic biography imprint. It's yeah, let's talk about let's say what it is. Well, let's say who we are for Christ's sake. We've got to. We've only been doing this for 5 years and there are a lot of people who either have been listening for 5 years and still forget every week who we are or um just don't know like they found their way to this podcast they were trying to find another podcast it's a lot of that's 90 percent of our listeners i think they were trying to find a different podcast and they accidentally got this right. one right and they they can't figure out how to press stop on their device it just keeps downloading it to their iphone <laughs> and they're like well i don't and like every time they get in the car yeah like it, it auto plays starts, it because it's like bsc yeah. like it's b you know unless yeah. they have like Hamilton, it starts playing Aaron Burser. They're currently they have... in the they're in the midst of recording an episode of Reply All, like super tech support, where they're like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but for whatever <laughs> reason, these, two have these the guys code. and I don't know who they are, and they don't say it early enough, and but like I'm interested, but not interested enough to listen to the point where they say their damn names. Right. Um, I'm Jack Shepard, Tanner, and it's the Babysitters Club. 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 And we say it together now. Um, and what we read this week was a terrifying tome. It's the Necronomicon of the Babysitter's Club. It's called, let me just read it all. The it's cover. It's called The Cover. There's a lot of words on the cover. It's a lot. Scholastic, biography, and that's all caps. Yep. And then m- bigger caps. And they, they, um, they turned, up the, turned up the height of these letters. Yeah, they've stretched them out. So they're imposing. And it says, and, and, Martin. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's a says, picture of Anne. There's a picture of Anne. She's looking very happy. Here's something like I know about her now. she knows something. Yeah. Here's something I know about her now. Yeah. She wiped that makeup, she wiped that lipstick off the second this photo was she taken. She wiped that damn lipstick off the second this photo was taken. Yeah. We know that. So she's not really happy. That's a fake smile. That's a fake she's smile because like, she's wearing turn lipstick. Turn your fucking and she camera off, and I'm gonna not wipe like this wearing damn lipstick. Lipstick off. She does like wearing makeup. Yeah, just not lipstick. Not lipstick. And then it says the story of the author of, and story is capitalized. Story author is capitalized. Is not. <laughs> author is not in a in so. a version of title case. 
that I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah. And it's I've been out of the copy editing game for a while now. Yeah. I mean, I dabble. I dabble, but I haven't I been a professional copy editor for some 15 years. It's confusing because you don't know what the mistake is. The mistake is either <laughs> capitalizing the S of story or not capitalizing the A of author. Right. You know, everything else is fine. But And this is Anne's influence. She, I know that she went in and was like, I need it to be this way. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you why, but you have Maybe to. Maybe it's a code. It. it could be a code. And then it says, The Babysitter's Club. Yep. And that's all caps. Classic Babysitter's Club. In logo. the font. Yeah. And then it says, and this is the interesting part to me it says, by Margot Becker R. Yes. With Anne and Martin. And there are two things that jump out to me here. Two things that really jump out to me. I want to say the first one. The first one is that it's pretty clear that Margot Becker is like a big fan of Anne and Martin. She was like, oh, if I want to like be like Anne, like the only way to do it is to like have an initial in my name, but I don't have a middle name. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So she just fucking panicked at the last second and put an R (laughs) <laughs> her most often asked question what does the r stand for answer her mother's maiden name which is reuben yeah okay so that's what happened yeah, so yeah. she wrote this book and then she, which is a also bunch of like, middle name probably including her mom were like margo what <laughs> <laughs> it's in honor of you she's like i fucking panicked i panicked yeah and then the second thing i want to talk to you about is um <laughs> i i don't think that normally with a biography, the subject of the biography comes in and is like, I'm, I want a co-writing credit on this. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's a confusing thing that I don't know if they've ever invented a term for, though, that's like halfway between a biography and an autobiography, or sort of like a, yeah. a mixture of the two. I think it was a biography, and Anne was just like... I'm going to take creative control of this thing. But I think So here's what I think happened, and knowing Anne. And was like, oh, Scholastic's doing a biography of me? I'm not going to let this just fucking come out, warts and all. Right. And so she went to Margot and, like, put the hammer Margot down. R. Yep. And made sure that every fucking T was crossed and I was dotted and there wasn't a word out of place. And right. then, also knowing Anne, she wasn't content with just, like, doing the strong arming. She was like, I did a lot of work on this. Like, yeah. I kind of need a a co-author credit. I want co-author credit, and I want points on the back end. Yeah. Well, and then look what happens in the... This is the dedication of the novel. Can I read the dedication? Yeah. Many thanks to all the people who openly and generously agreed to be interviewed for this book. Thanks also to the dozens of people who put time and meticulous effort into editing and production. And thanks, of course, to Anne Martin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Anne wrote that. She was like, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, co-author isn't quite enough. I feel like you should thank me. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a biography yeah. of Anne. Um, and it it really digs into some of, of of Anne's sort of most relevant and and famous moments from her life. Like yeah. Christmas. Christmas, yeah. And how mm-hmm. she likes to celebrate it. Yeah. Volunteering. She went to college. And she went to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's in here. That's in here. Yeah. There's a whole chapter on it. Yeah. Dodds Lane. <laughs> Dodds Lane. Uh, street in Princeton, New Jersey. Yeah. So that's in here. 
Getting sick. Whole chapter about the time she ruptured her spleen and had to get it removed. Well, that's a thing. That she fell out of a treehouse, and that's a thing. It's come up. The Ju- June 10th passage is related to the treehouse incident. We know this okay. about Anne. The falling out of the treehouse is important to her. She also talks about stuck door eggs, which we've talked about before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She retells the entire stuck door eggs story. But that's her little sister's fault. Because, like, Jane Martin got in touch with Margot, and she's like, you have to tell the stuck, old, got stuck to. door You've eggs got to. story. You've got to. It's like, hey, I read it. Hey, Jane. Jane read that story read before. It's not as compelling as you think. <laughs> Oh, should we tell it? Should we the tell stuck it? Doors, should I just read it? Uh, you can read it if you have it. I know it by um, heart now because it's now the, at least the second time I know about the stuck door eggs. I mean, I think I could probably find it pretty quickly. I did not capture it. Uh, I'll just tell you. Let me just tell you. Okay. I know it. Ready? Here's what happened. Her dad was cooking breakfast. He was making scrambled eggs. Uh, in the midst of making scrambled eggs, you should never leave. A- and guys, you should never leave uh, untended pan on the fucking hob but hank hob didn't know better and he went to go open the front door for some reason and the door was stuck and so he spent a bunch of fucking time trying to jammy the door open and by the time he got it open he came back and the eggs had hardened and almost like an omelet almost like an omelet being the salesman that he is actually he's a comic strip artist yeah um but he rebranded the concept of hardened scrambled eggs as stuck door eggs. And Shitty it's like eggs. A, it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing in their house, and Jane thought it was so important that that's we know about J- it. That's Even Anne's we, sister. Yeah. Even though we do know about it because Anne explained it in the happy reading section of, of one of the original Babysitter's Club books at one point. Let's um, let's talk about this. Okay. I think that Anne is... is, is um, Blazing a path for us. Okay. Towards what? Towards her? Towards her, yeah. Okay. She's inviting us? She's welcoming us? She's inviting us, yeah. That's new. So on the back of this novel, in the blurb, on the back of the book, here's what it says. It says, Filled with pictures from Anne's own photo albums, reading this book will make you know her so well You'll feel like Anne's friend. I think there's a pretty big, unstated sort of follow-up to that, in just built into that sentence. Yeah. But you're not. Yeah. You're not. You're not. But you're not. Yeah. Well, that's my question because later in the book we get this passage, and it's a, during. So Anne loves Christmas. Yeah. And she's Whole always inviting people over for Christmas, but it says yeah. during the Christmas chapter it says kind of by way of like trying to delve inside this inscrutable mind which margo does really well in this novel it says it has always been important to Anne to stay close with her relatives and when she makes good friends they become as close to her as family as well so i think this book into that fold yet but this is the key right if we read this book right this book promises that we will become her close friend. And once we're her close friend, we can be her family. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of there's a lot in this book that I learned this week as reading while I was reading the book that made me feel like maybe I was DQ'd from being Anne's friend. 
Okay. And it starts literally on page one. Yeah. It, it starts with, there's a passage here that says, Mr. and Mrs. Martin chose the name Anne because they wanted to call their child something so simple that other kids couldn't tease her about her name when she got older. And as we were recording this podcast, we had a whole segment that was us teasing Anne about her name. It stretched out to, to, right. to a pretty lengthy degree towards the but, end with all of her nicknames. It comes up in the novel. Uh, this novel, I shouldn't say novel. It's a biography. It's nonfiction. This is all. This all fucking happened. Yeah, this um, is real. But Anne gets a ton of alter egos. Here's the first one. Anne was born, and we know this because she's storm born. Yeah. During Hurricane Connie, on August twelfth, nineteen fifty five, and Anne's dad made a joke that they should call her Connie Gale. Yeah. And so that's, literally, that's IP. The freely. day he she stole was that born, from us. yeah. Then he did take thing. that from us, Hank. Come on, man, Hank. That's our thing to say that yeah. she's stormborn. That's so. our thing, to, and so you did take that from us. Back after, and also, and and you know, while we're talking about IP freely, Margot Becker R called the first chapter the diaper years, and adult yeah. baby stuff is our thing too, and that's our thing too. And please Margo. don't take that from us, and we so do please that. don't. We that's we're very proud of that. Yeah, the diaper years is uh, that we had a whole. Diaper years when we did the portrait collection. Yeah, we, we had the diaper years. Yeah, and then later, Anne was the biggest baby in the hospital, which is a fun fact. And then like Margot, <laughs> Margot like takes some time to be like, back then babies were smaller. <laughs> um, but Anne was the biggest fucking baby in a hospital. Yeah, um, and so they called her the eight pounder. It's too bad. And this is and this is why I wish we had read this before. Yeah. We started recording because that could have been a, a nickname. That could have yeah. been one of her many epithets. Is it really could have the eight pounder, the eight pounder, and the eight pounder Martin? Yeah. Dang, what a mistake! I feel like we learned so much about these girls and Anne and everything after we finished the books. I know it's too late. I wish we could go. I do kind of think we have to go back and just do it because I do learned it all so again. much. Here's you want to hear? Let's. I, I just got a bunch of little. Fu- th- this book is full of tidbits about Anne. You want to hear a fun one? Yeah. When Anne was two, her parents began looking for a house to buy. They wanted a place where they could put down roots as the family grew. Okay, they're, they're ants. tree people. Yeah, yeah. They're tree These people. Are These or are ants. Or I guess ants don't put down r- roots, right? I mean, I so. think older ants eventually put down roots, right? Like when they're, that's their way of kind of like passing into being more tree than No, person. trees aren't ants. Uh, ants aren't trees. I know, but I think later, ants. I think, no, no I'm No, they aware. go to the Grey Havens. Just Don't like tell me what else. fucking. Have you not read Tanner. the poem, The Ant Wives? I have read the, the poem, The Ant Wives. I'm telling you that some ants. They go to the West. I, if you don't want to hear this, just say so. But I'm telling you that some ants like put down roots and they just kind of become trees. You're Not wrong. all of them You're go to so the Grey Havens. About this. I'm You're telling so you, buddy. About this. Have, you I'm read telling the, you. have you read the poem, The Ant yes, and the Ant Wives? I've read The Ant Wives, yes. They go into the West. Yes, but some of them rest. put down roots and become trees. No, they don't. You're, you're ask so Anne. Ask Anne. Right you're being so pig-headed right now. You don't know <laughs> anything about the ants. And I wish I could ask Anne, but I'm yeah. not invited to because yeah. we're not friends. We're not friends, apparently. We tried. We've done everything. We read the fucking book. It's promised on the back. I was so excited. It was like, if you read this book, you're going to be friends with Anne. I read the whole thing. Back to front. Invitation to her Christmas party. Yeah. Oh, so so people haven't heard this yet. We're going to be talking to 
our friends Marissa and Megan Megan Milks and Marissa Crawford later and we are going to mention I think the Christmas party but here's the thing and says in this book that she invites um, everyone to her Christmas party right um, but I never got the invitation um, what else there's just so many little tidbits I don't quite know the best approach I guess we're just going to read the little tidbits but yeah back of the front cover uh-huh. Purchases item will result in the donation to the Ann M. Martin Foundation. That's a pretty fancy way of saying Ann is pocketing the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the yeah. revenue from this um, book. Subscribe to our Patreon, and uh, like every month, the $5 is going to go to the Jack Shepard and Tanner Greenring Foundation. Yeah. For bettering the lives of um, podcasters. middle aged <laughs> podcasters everywhere. Yeah. And by everywhere, we specifically mean Connecticut and Texas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's good. I got, oh, there's so much in this. Her report card, her third grade report card's in here. Yeah. Did you read that? Yeah, it's all A's. It's Well, it's not all A's, and that's the interesting part. She gets one demerit. She gets one, usually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very funny, old-fashioned uh, report card because it's all it all uses male pronouns for everything. Like, the student, like, yeah, he understands what he reads, and Anne got a commonly on that. Yeah, um, and then she got commonlys on everything, except for one. She got a usually. Okay, and that is he spells accurately whenever he writes. Okay, so only she's got usually a, she's got a Claudia Cushy syndrome going on a little bit. When was this book published? Ninety. There's there's some very funny parts where that like very much date the book. Yeah. Like Anne lists out her favorite TV shows. Yeah. At one point, and it's all like, oh, I know exactly when this book was written now. 93. Anne's favorite TV shows are Yeah, Seinfeld. Today Anne watches Seinfeld, Cheers, Designing Women, Roseanne, Saturday Night Live, and David Letterman. Though she does note that David Letterman is on too late for her. What's funny, so for listeners who like didn't experience the 90s, which I think is probably a lot of people, yeah. What they're actually describing is what Anne likes to do is turn on the television in <laughs> she the likes evening. to watch the most the, popular television. The, thi- the thing that's on is that like in order. Like you don't have a choice, really. If you'd like to watch television, which many people did, you must watch Roseanne Seinfeld designing women. And then like if you're up late enough, Letterman. And she loved it. So yep. Anne was also an early drinker, which kind of explains a lot. Can I read this passage to you? Yeah. The Martins always kept in close touch with the rest of the family. Though none of Anne and Jane's grandparents lived in Princeton, they were very close with the girls. They visited often, and the Martins traveled to see them as well. Anne was still on a bottle when the Martins flew to Kentucky to visit her father's parents for her very first Christmas celebration. I like to have a few drinks when I fly, too. It's I'm yeah. an anxious flyer. But this is her so, first Christmas celebration. Yeah, but if you know, no, I don't want to. Ju- I'm not being judgmental. You've got I'm anxiety. Not being judgmental. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, no, that's true. It's scary. You to need fly. something to deal with it. So, I'm not a good flyer. I, I take clonopin. I have a drink. I'm not a good flyer. I always, I've just flown. I'm not in um, Texas anymore. I'm in on the, in the fucking East Coast. Yep, welcome. Um, but I always, I was sitting next to like a teen. That's cool. And. I felt very embarrassed when, like, there was a small bit of turbulence and I, like, grasped the side of the seat and I, like, sat up rigid. You should be. That's embarrassing. Because um, 
I showed fear. Yeah, in front of a teen. In front of a young person, and that's how they get you. Yeah. And we learned something about Ant. We learned a few things about Ant. Yeah, learned so much. You have to stop using that as a segue because all we did was learn about we Ant. Learned, all we learned was about Ant, but there's just so much, and it like fits. It all fits with what we've intuited, so it shows that we're on the right track. Right. I'm just going to throw one out at you. I'm going to bounce one at you. Okay. This is um, a passage talking about Anne and Beth Perkins, who we've kind of heard about, who's Anne's best friend, who's like the inspiration for uh, the Perkins family. Yeah, and also Christy. And also Christy, yep. Most of all, the girls used to start projects with a capital P. Anne and Beth fed off of each other's energy. Energy vampires. Energy vampires is what I put in my notes. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. I usually don't think of people who are like quiet and shy as energy vampires, but I guess that's how they get you, you know? It does explain a lot. It's cloying. They they draw you in with their demure attitude, and then they suck all your energy out. And then two energy vampires in one room? Jesus. I know. It's terrifying. That's explosive. And feeding off of each other? It's like a feedback loop. They do, um, Anne and Margot do also confirm Amber Theory. You know, we always knew Amber Theory was confirmed by Anne. She, she said it in a happy reading at one point that she was going to yeah. pause time on these girls. But um, they do say here that, as Babysitter Club fans know, time stands still in the series. Mariah was five when she first appeared in the books and has remained that age throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, th- that coupled with her being an energy vampire, she also sort of reveals where her dark magic, her dark power comes from. Yeah. She's got a little um, pull quote here at the end of chapter two. I'll just read the full thing. Perfect. I think it really explains where a lot of Anne's powers come from. The ring. Yeah, I pulled this as well. A true family story from Anne. Mm-hmm. My great uncle, my grandfather's brother, was a newspaper reporter in World War I. He got tuberculosis and went to a sanitarium in the mountains while he was sick. He fell in love with and became engaged to his nurse, Rosalie Cross, and he gave her an engagement ring that had been in our family. But my great-uncle died before they could marry. Still, Rosalie wore the ring all her life. She never married. She stayed in touch with our family. I met her once when she died. She w- I met her once. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Rosalie. Sorry, that's not about you. That's not about you. I met her once. When she died, she <laughs> willed the ring back to her family. She wanted to give it to Henry Martin's eldest living daughter, which was me. I have the ring. It's very important to me. It's one of my most treasured <laughs> possessions. Just because it's in the family. <laughs> I have the ring. It's precious to her. It's she, very you, One might say. <laughs> what? The, the ring has become her precious. The the 100-year-old ring is very precious to her. <laughs> yeah, and it does explain a lot. It does explain a lot of uh, where her powers come from um, and yeah. why she is the way that she is. It was forged in the fires of Mount Doom, too. It was, yeah, exactly. Um, and, then, you know, there there are a bunch. It's not to say that there there's only one ring of power. No, there's other rings. But there Nine. is w- one ring, I would say. To rule them all, yeah, one yeah, ring yeah. to find them, yeah, one. And we're ring lucky to bring that them all Anne, in the darkness find them. Anne took the power of this ring, yeah, and all she used it for was creating and trapping a t- 
town of yeah. young women in a timeless state forever. Right, and then making it so that nobody could ever remember that town is actually in Connecticut and not know exactly where it is. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, giving them something that kind of amounts to a life. Um, and did sort of reveal in this book, though, and Margot, yeah. where the, the town that inspired Stony Brook. Oh, I missed it. The most. It's Avalon, New Jersey. Avalon, and that's a thing, isn't it? It's essentially a, a resort town that never got very popular, so it's got all the resort town stuff, but just not any tourists. Yeah. And Anne said it's it's sort of the, the blueprint, the prototype for, for Stony Brook, Connecticut. Right. And so Avalon, as you'll know, is from the King Arthur legend. Yes. It's a legendary island. A lot of... Um, a lot of lore, a lot of Arthurian lore, a lot of Tolkien lore this episode. We've got a lot. I think we should take a quick break. Do you want to kind of briefly talk about the dolls before we move on? Because that shit scared the shit out of me. Let's talk about it when we get back, I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, should we do a scare warning now for people? Let's do a scare warning. If if you're afraid of dolls and their dark legacies, yeah. um, Maybe you want to, when you get back from break, you want to skip ahead a little bit. But um, just just to kind of cover off on it now. Yeah. Scare warning. Scare warning. Prepare to piss your pants. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's, good. that's good. I think that, that'll cover us. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, um, we're going to do some scary stuff. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do a big scare, aren't we? We're going to do a very big scare now. Okay, right. You're, Don't you think? You had a scare on deck. I've got a scare on deck. Right. I mean, it's a scary book. Oh, of course it is. It's a book about Anne. Yeah. It's a very magics. scary book. It's about Anne and her dark magics. I, uh, yeah, what's not to be afraid of, you know? She went to Smith. This is a woman who invented a whole world and then trapped, trapped that world forever in yeah. a timeless state. And not even and, like... And then, and then filled the world with like... Demons yeah. and witches, witches and yeah. like bone doctors. Yeah, you know, like scary shit. It's very scary. Scary, and scary shit. What makes it more scary is like she didn't even do it out of malice. It's not from a place of malice. It's just like that's what she needs. Yeah, I mean, she addresses it at some point in this book. She's talking about pets, which is, I guess, what she calls her creations. Yeah, yeah. She has and a whole section on pets. Yeah. Yeah, and she says that humans have this desire to control, you know, <laughs> this desire to to nurture, this yeah. desire to play God. I yeah, think, to play God is sort of what she was getting at. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she was. I. She kept talking about her things as pet. The girls as pets. As pets. pets. Yeah. 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 Margot, like Margot. So the way this, if you haven't read this book, I imagine most people have read this, but if yeah. you haven't read it, like the structure of it is that Margot will write a bunch and then like suddenly you can feel that Anne's about to take over <laughs> yeah 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 and then you'll get this like box will appear and inside the box it'll be like Anne's thoughts on pets and now a missive from Anne and it'll be like okay now it's me Margo step <laughs> aside the yep. like the way I think about my creations is that they are pets and and like the reason I need to have pets is because I need to control them and I need to keep them like exactly the way they were when I first imagined them and I breathe life into them and like now they are my pets and they I own them 
I think. Yeah. I'm not I'm reading from memory, but like I own them and then like so why would I want them to grow older or change in any way? Right. And Martin out. And then like she almost yeah. managed to capture her best friend Beth's kids. Yeah. <laughs> as her pets. Yeah. Which I read about earlier, Mariah and Gabby Perkins. Yeah. Who were based on real people. two real Children real girls who were almost sucked in. Mariah this. and yeah. Gabby Perkins, but yeah. somehow Beth managed to like yeah. keep Anne from completely consuming them. Yeah. And like turning them into some of her pets. Um that's not even the big scare. We didn't even that's do not a even scare the big scare for that. That's because, just the fucking that's yeah, the that's the, just the, the groundwork. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a big scare. I'm gonna read you two passages. Passage number one. Ready? Raising a family was difficult in those years. Hank Martin was struggling to make a living as a cartoonist and artist. Each day he rose early in the morning and went to his studio, the tiny converted tailor shop on Charlton Street. Looked almost like a large dollhouse. Okay. Okay, and so have we ever heard of a tailor uh, who makes dolls? And it's Capellia, isn't it? It's Capellia. <laughs> and that's her dad. That's her dad. Her dad is the doll smith. <laughs> her dad is the doll smith, and that's where it comes from, and it's Capella. Or is he a doll? Because he lives in a giant dollhouse. Well, it makes sense, right? He's a tailor, and he, and he like, well, he's not a tailor. He's a he's comic a, artist, a but cartoonist. he bought a tailor shop, and it's like, oh, whose tailor shop did I buy? Oh, is it the guy from Capella's shop? <laughs> it might be the guy from um, Toy Master. It could be the guy from Toy Master. Or you know who else it could be? It could be the guy from um, in Blade Runner. Oh right, who like makes the who like makes the who lives with all these like tinker toy robot dolls? Right, 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 right. And he's right, like yes. wide eyed and and sweet until um that makes sense. He's passed. Rucker Howard, Hank throttles him. Hank Martin, yeah, has sort of inhabited his space. Yeah, oh, wow. So that's scary. Wow. And then listen to this, and this is really what the scare warning was for. And, and guys, we gave you a scare warning. You so don't cannot come after us now. If somebody comes after me for pissing their pants because of this, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have stern words. I'm gonna have stern words to say to them because we did so much warning on this. Uh, here it is. Ready? And Tanner, are you you're fine with this stuff, right? No, I'm I'm pissing my pants as we speak. Okay, All scared right, as hell. Fine. But you're not going to come after me because <sighs> I best friend. I I couldn't. Yeah, I've signaled I this. Couldn't. <laughs> okay, I want to. You. Yeah, no, I understand. But I just want a lot yeah. of damage today. <laughs> okay, so we've okay. I'm just going to say it. I'll just say it. Ready, Granny. Had a very special doll. Right. Called Jane. Which she had played with herself when she was a little girl. Granny gave Jane to Anne when Anne was ten. Anne renamed the doll Amelia Jane. She wanted to keep the Jane part for Granny's sake, but she just read a biography of the first woman airplane pilot, Amelia Earhart. And she desperately wanted a doll named after her. Anne treasured Amelia Jane many years later. In the spirit of tradition, which is so important to her, she passed Amelia Jane on to her cousin, Aunt Adele's daughter, Margaret. Today, 
Amelia Jane is almost 100 years old. She sits in a special place in Aunt Adele's room. It's it's troubling that Anne's parents, Edie and Hank, yeah, Martin, named their second daughter after Anne. After a doll. Yeah. <laughs> their second daughter's name is Jane. That's Anne's weird. sister is right? called Jane. They named the doll Jane. And then Anne was like, I like this doll. Thank you for giving it to me, but I must name it after a famously dead woman. <laughs> <laughs> In in hopes that maybe the spirit of that famously dead woman will inhabit the body of the doll. And then when she does the Babysitter's Club books, she's like, oh, here's a good place where I could put the spirit of the doll inside a dead girl called Amelia. I'm not a um, superstitious man. No. I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in the afterlife. Uh-huh. Um, but for some reason, every time I bring Miles anywhere that is known to be haunted... Okay. Um, I keep an eye out. The It started when I brought him to the Brooklyn Museum. They have mummies there. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's and dangerous I was, to I bring was a kid, frankly. Pretty I don't worried want to judge that you as a parent, but... He was like a tiny baby at the time. You shouldn't bring a kid to Brooklyn. somewhere with mummies, but... Yeah. I was pretty worried that if we went into the mummy room, one mm-hmm. of the spirits of the mummies would see a ripe vessel... Yeah. ...and want to inhabit it. That's a natural like, parental take concern. Take it over. Yeah. And then I would be raising like a... Egyptian. Do you know that that's not prince. what's happening? No idea. Yeah, absolutely no idea. He, I don't think he quite has the. Um, I mean, he was too small to have much of a personality. So, like right. the Miles, you know, may well be that Egyptian prince. He's always talking about like, like reeds and yeah, hieroglyphs, papyrus. Yeah, yeah. And like, okay, that's a tell. Slave labor, like hauling large stones across the desert, like that yeah. kind of stuff. But yeah. I, didn't, I don't know. That's just sort of. Like I mean, it could just be right like now. kids get interested in the weirdest shit. So I'm not saying right. it is a mummy, but you should get it checked out. Yeah. <laughs> While we're doing dad talk, I'll just tell you that um, Cyril and I now play a game where I'll be like, let's name theropods. And oh, then cool. I'll be like, Tyrannosaurus. And he'll be like, Allosaurus. And I'll be like, Trodon. We those, are actually, those are dinosaurs, theropods. And then I'll be like, let's name Hadrosaurs. And he'll be like, Lambiosaurus. Okay. And then I'll be like... I thought he was into dragons. Or have they kind of... Oh, dragons are fucking over. Oh, dragons are over. He'll be like, I don't know, Lambiosaurus. And then I'll be like, um, Corythosaurus. And then I'll be like, Spinosaurus. And I'll be like, Spinosaurus is not a fucking Hadrosaur. Right. Dude, and I'd be like, "Yes, it is." And then I'll be like, "Cyril, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts." Right. How about you go to fucking school for paleontology yeah. and yeah. you tell me? That. And then we'll fucking talk. Yeah, yeah. Miles tries to challenge me on monster trucks every now and then, yeah. and it's like, "Hey, guy, I'm not a monster truck fan." Yeah, but I know, but more I than know you. more about yeah monster trucks than you do. Yeah, because I'm an adult man. Yeah, and you're two. Yeah. No, okay. exactly. That's dad talk. Yeah, this has been uh, dad talk. And we don't really have time for dad talk. We don't. We have to, we don't. The, we, a there's lot. a lot that happens in this book, so we, we should a big be scared. Focusing. There's a lot. There's a, there's a big scared. Um, do you want to say a thing, or do you want me to say a thing? The, 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 I'll say a thing. Yeah. I'll say, okay, a thing. say a thing. There's please, a thing in please. here. There's a thing in here. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's a segment. Yeah. It's called...
Is this true? Okay. I just didn't really understand what this meant, and I'm hoping you can kind of help me uncover the, the meaning behind it. Yeah. During another trip, they flew to California, then drove east to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where Mrs. Martin had grown up. They stopped at the house she had lived in as a child. They saw Lake Okanamawak, where she had spent her own summer vacations when she was small, and enjoyed the peek into her mother's childhood. They also saw Flintstone Park. Jane, especially, was dying to visit this fake bedrock. Unfortunately, Fred wasn't there the day the Martins were, having been stoned by a visitor the day before. And do they mean like in the <laughs> biblical sense? Okay. And is this true? So I'm, I weirdly, I guess there were parts of this. I tried to read this. I read this in one hour and 47 minutes before we <laughs> yeah. sat down to record. It does sneak up on you. I also read it just before we recorded, and I was like, oh, it'll take about the same amount of time it takes to read like yeah. a Babysitter's Club book. And then you get into it. It's like, this is much denser than a Babysitter's yeah. Club book. <laughs> um, so I miss. I must have skimmed past that. Um, and maybe that's what Anne intended. Is she's like, I need to. Pu- I need to fucking bury the bodies in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm gonna put this in in the middle of a, a couple of dense paragraphs that you yeah, really have to be paying attention like, to. Like, yes, true crime. Fred Flintstone stoning did happen at like right before I fucking came to the amusement park, and it did fucking like strongly affect my life. But I don't. Is that the lore of the the series? I don't like. I I guess I've seen some Flintstones, but does it end with Fred Flintstone being stoned? I mean, nobody knows what ends how he ends up, right? I think that's one of the mysteries. And Anne's like, I know it. Oh right, okay. So in I think in in the narrative Anne's narrative of the Flintstones lore, yeah, the Flintstones are living their happy lives in Bedrock, yeah. When all of a sudden they are visited by the Iron Eagle of the Holy Roman Empire, right? Who comes over, takes over, builds aqueducts, yeah. introduces Christianity to Bedrock. Mm-hmm. Fred, with all his his mischievous nature and eating big slabs of ribs and all that kind of stuff, yeah, known sinner. Oh my god! And sort of put out in front of the Times Square and stoned to death. Yeah. Wow. It's, and all they were trying to do was just introduce modernity, introduce Christianity to to this Stone Age peoples, you know. And then, the, like the Hanna Barbera was like, "We never filmed this episode, but we're going to give." This ending is an exclusive <laughs> to, to like the hottest because like the, Margot the, the, Becker, the hottest arm. new like children's property, you know, like yeah, yeah, this yeah. is like passing, passing the, torch. the torch. Yeah. And Anne was like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to use I'm, it I'm as like bury an it anecdote. In my <laughs> autobiography that I'm making someone else write. Yeah. Um, wow. Powerful stuff. So we got a few things confirmed in this. Uh, here's one. Uh, Dark Tower is confirmed. Okay. Um, the worst kind of movies for Anne are the ones with a lot of violence. So this is an interesting passage just in general. The worst kind of movies for Anne. Margot really digs deep in this. And I think a yeah. lot of stuff came through, even though Anne is like breathing down her fucking neck. Like Margot found some stuff that I'm not sure Anne would necessarily want to be in this. She like went through Anne's like blockbuster like stack of blockbuster yeah. movies in her in her kitchen yeah while Anne was in the bathroom like, have to get this down <laughs> the worst kind of movies for Anne are the ones with a lot of violence in them those she never sees 
Tough guy movies usually fall into this category. She does like scary movies, though not the really gory horror movies like Halloween or Nightmare on Elm Street. That's nice. Until you read the next sentence. She prefers the psychological thrillers that really give you bad dreams! Exclamation yeah. point. Okay, yeah. and Jesus, God. She's really into, like, uh, J-horror and K-horror. Yeah. You know, like the really like disturbing <laughs> Japanese and Korean. I don't. Stuff. That shit is not. It's you think it's like oh, Anne's like doesn't like the gory shit. It's like no, no, no. no. It's the gory shit leaves me cold. I need something yeah. that's like gonna like tear apart your fucking psyche and like yeah. give you bad dreams. It's also gory. It's yeah. just like she doesn't mind. The gore is not important to her. Yeah, you know? the gore is it's irrelevant. The, it does nothing for her. Right. It's the it's the psychological terror. It's She's the trauma. She sees most of the Stephen King movies and reads most of his books. She thinks right. King is a wonderful storyteller and knows how to keep the reader enthralled. And yes, and we have noticed that, and we have we noticed know that. that we know that the Dark Tower mythos all throughout the Babysitters Club books. And thank you and for I'm, noticing that. Frankly, we noticed. I'm frankly surprised that they didn't mention Hellraiser here too, because we know that she's incorporated elements from the Hellraiser universe in, in oh, her certainly. books too. Yeah, certainly. Know? Yeah. So, and those are those are psychological thrillers. Yeah. You kidding me? You're, are you fucking stuff, kidding me? Dark stuff. Should we do our burns? Um. Yeah. Did you have Tanner this week? Eh. <gasps> um. <laughs> And we do burns, and there's burns in this book. Um, I got a couple. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Um, I have one. So okay. why don't you do one, and I'll do one, and you do another one. This is a burn on Anne by Margot. <laughs> Later, Anne wrote two books set on Fire Island. One is called... This is like Anne's early career before she got the Babysitter's Club gig. Later, Anne wrote two books set on Fire Island. One is called Eleven Kids, One Summer. We should read these. I well, so the, I was just to quickly interrupt. Yeah, Margot does include at the end of the book the Black Library. The, oh, the Dark Library. Yes, other books by Anne and Martin, Rachel Parker, Kindergarten Show Off, Eleven Kids One Summer, Ma and Pa Dracula, Yours, Turley Shirley, yeah. Ten Kids No Pets, Slam Book, Just a Summer Romance, Missing Since Monday, With You and Without You, Me and Katie the Pest, Stage Fright, Inside Out, and Bummer Summer. Yeah, those are Anne's. That's the Black Library. That's the Black Library. We're not. Those are infernal texts. You, 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 in order to get to those, you have to like, like, you have to find the the Black Library in a dream. Yeah, you have to it'll come to you. Game. Don't go to the Black Library. No, it will come to you. Right. And there's nothing you can do to draw the Black Library to you. If if you're chosen by the Black Library, it'll present itself. to yeah, you. Yeah, like you'll like be like looking for a, like a. I don't know, a new summer dress to wear and you'll open your closet and it won't be dresses, but just like rows and rows and rows of books and you'll walk in. And once you step in, you can never yeah. step out again. Yeah. It's something it's, to keep in mind. Yeah, it, it's but worth the pull, keeping that in mind, yeah. The pull that draws you in is, yeah. is almost irresistible, so. And it's the Black yeah, Library. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. And so Margot seems to have gotten access to some of this stuff. Uh, later, Anne wrote two books set on Fire Island. One is called Eleven Kids, One Summer. The other is called Just a Summer Romance. If you read this one, you'll notice a lot of things slipping through from Anne's real life. Peanut M&Ms and ice cream bashes, for instance. 
Unfortunately, the romance part of Just a Summer Romance is fictional and didn't meet any gorgeous TV stars on Fire Island, but she and her <laughs> friends had a great time together, just enjoying each other's company. That's nice. So, oh, okay, cool. Thanks, Margo. Reading between the lines here, Anne had a completely uneventful vacation on Fire Island yeah. where nothing happened. Later, she wrote a book about someone like meeting like someone that they uh, fall in love with, some TV star, uh, a hunk, on Fire Island, yeah. or a babe, and all the parts of that that are interesting didn't actually happen to Anne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nothing from Anne's real life. So <laughs> that story is what Good. You mean. Thanks, Margo. Thanks, Margo. Yeah, they and they Beth uh, uh, Margo talks about uh, Anne's excursions to Fire Island with all her her girlfriends from Smith and. Apparently, there's only two things in this little town on Fire Island that they used to go to, and one was a discotheque, which Anne avoided like the devil, and the other one was like an ice cream shop. Yeah. And I will say, I, I, this I, this book deeply endeared me to Anne. I like, yeah, she um, she's lovely. She's clearly lovely. Like one of the things that is most lovely about her that is possibly the whole reason why the babysitters club books work so well is that she makes extremely strong, fast and lifelong friendships. Oh yeah. 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 Everywhere she, goes. she meets. Yeah. Like, but like, she's like, she's shy, but like when, pe- when people like see through her shy exterior, they become her lifelong friends. And like, th- th- it's like the most important thing in her life. And they're always her friends forever. Um, right and um and explains why the babysitters club books are so good let's burn let's burn her some more that was a little bit too nice what i just said yeah Anne has a very tight schedule she wakes up at quarter of six each morning and is at her desk by eight o'clock eight thirty at the latest Anne's pace is probably faster than any other well-known kids book author one time Anne went to a dinner party at a friend's house the phone rang and Anne's friend joked and it's your publisher. They need another book by ten o'clock tonight. <laughs> and uh, what this what this book that uh, Margot and Anne have put together says to me is that Scholastic is a hellhole. Yeah, it sounds like it's there's no work life balance at all. <laughs> at Scholastic, they're like they are driving Anne to like her last wit. Like they they work her like a dog. Like at one point she's like, as long as I keep up Scholastic's rigorous schedule, I don't have to work on weekends. But you know, sometimes I slip and have to like work all weekend too. And it's like, and you don't have to live like and this. It's okay, you do not have to live like this. And they're still, yeah. I think they're still doing it to her. They're just like not publishing the books anymore, which makes it even worse. They're just yeah, they've got her all locked up. And then like at one point they admit. They're like, Anne has to write two books a month, not including the super specials and mysteries and stuff. But she has help yeah. from like a stable of ghostwriters. Yeah. And then they refuse to name a single one of them. Yeah. No, exactly. But they do go pretty deep on, on Hodges and, um, and Susan Tang. And Bethany Buck. And Bethany Buck, who I have a theory about Bethany Buck. Yeah. You've read The Warded Man, right? Yeah, The Warded Man is a fantasy novel about uh, a world that has been overrun by demons who come out at night, and uh, one uh, farmhand realizes that uh, by covering himself in warts and tattoos, 
uh, and also thanks to his magical nature, he can be out at night when everyone else is hiding and fight the demons. And that's and it's good. You should read it. Bethany Buck is a living Bible. Mm-hmm. She is the Bible. Yeah. Of the Babysitter's Club universe. Right. People think the, it's the Leviathan, the, but it's not. It's Bethany Buck. The prophecy Bible that we talk so much about, the one that Pete refers to, um, I think it's Bethany, and I have some support here to finish that up. Yeah. Once the outline is finished, she and Bethany go over the story again. They make some changes, and at last, the book is ready to be written. Anne sits down in her office, which is a quiet room in her apartment, with a pad of paper and a pen. We also learn that Anne lives near the Scholastic office. Right. Which is where we used to work. Yeah, scary. We were probably close to Anne on a daily basis. If Anne is having trouble with something as she's writing, she might call Bethany and run an idea by her. For instance, she might have forgotten Jesse's hamster's name, or she may want to discuss whether Bethany thinks it's okay for Claudia to cheat on a test. She, Bethany is the keeper of the knowledge. Right, and she tells Anne what she can and can't do. She's like the holocron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's probably got all of this information tattooed on her skin to fight the the right. demon, fight Leviathan. Yeah. You know, like keep all of these sort of like dark creatures at bay. Right. And Anne goes to her to say, is it okay? Right, right, right. Yeah, Can yeah, I exactly. say this? Or will and I be Pete revealing does too, too much? And Pete does eventually. too. And, but we, he... can't mention, we can't mention Pete's name. We now know, and this is a mistake we made in our podcast, and I just beg it's you to forgive Anne for this. I didn't realize, now looking at your biography that you've c- clearly weighed in on, it's your choice not to name the ghostwriters. And we should right. have, I, maybe we should, should we go back and re-edit the episode so we don't? Just don't name them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just kind of talk around it. If there, was a, there was a leg of our podcast there where the, the primary focus was, was on that, the ghostwriters. Yeah. I think we would probably... Yeah. We need to do a lot of editing. Well, maybe that's why she's so mad at us and hasn't invited us to her um, her Christmas parties. You're, Christmas you'll be hearing party, more about that in our interview. I've been on the show up. at all, and like used her influence to yep. keep us from being cast on season two of yep. the Babysitters Club Netflix show, yep. which is in production now. We haven't received yeah, any haven't heard calls, a word or, calls yet, or anything. So. Um, um, could I do? A, I want to do this quick burn, and then I've got at least one more quick scary, and then we have to go. Okay. Okay. So here's another burn. This burn is like, it's so clear that Anne has been like holding this in her whole fucking life and was like, I'm going to put this in my fucking biography and a million people are going to read it and you're going to fucking, I'm going to have the last laugh. Yeah. One of the worst things that happened to Anne in high school was when another kid stole her horticulture paper out of her locker. She had spent weeks and weeks on the paper. The other student didn't use it as her own. She just didn't want Anne to hand in something that good. She was jealous of how well Anne was doing in the class. <laughs> Anne didn't tell on the other girl because she was afraid to cause trouble. Everything worked out okay in the end. Mr. Toscano believed Anne when she said her work had been stolen. He knew she was an honest kid who wasn't just making up an excuse. Then Anne asked Mr. T if she could hand in a makeup project. She created a herbarium, a detailed display of leaves from all the plants in the area. She identified each plant and included important information about it. It was even better than the first project yeah she's just been carrying that <laughs> i wonder i wonder who wrote that section whether that was margo or ann do you can i do another one that's like her just like destroying somebody <laughs> yeah <laughs> she does this again 
It was in college that Anne had a run-in with a truly terrible teacher, and it was in one of her favorite subjects, art. Anne just couldn't stand this teacher, and the teacher didn't seem to like her much either. The assignments were incredibly boring, at least to Anne. For the first few classes, the teacher brought in cardboard boxes and piled them up on a table in the center of the room. Drawing them was a good exercise in figuring out angles, lines, and perspective, but the assignment became very tedious. This art class was the only one in the history of Anne's schooling that she cut. She missed about half the drawing sessions and got a C for the course. It was the lowest grade she ever got. Unfortunately, the class killed her interest in art lessons and she never took another course. Yeah. That sucks, man. Fuck Leave this it to guy. Hodges. Let's find him. Let's hurt him, him in some way. Yeah. He's probably dead, honestly. If it was someone who was Anne's teacher growing up. Well, and she cro- and he crossed her. Well, and that's why he's dead. Yeah. That's great. I've got great a, book. I got a thing I want to tell you. Oh, you got one more? I got if it's gonna more. scare me, I'm is it scary? The two things that the two last things I want to say, and I'm gonna say them super fast are on a level of 1 to 10 of scary, 27 and 22. Okay. Just extremely fucking scary. You do a scare warning. Scare warning. Scare warning. Pregnant women, please don't listen. Your baby will erupt from your uterus in fear. And men with... Prostate issues. Do not listen. You will have trouble peeing for the rest of your lives. For the rest of your life, and it's not going to be related to your prostate issues. It's, it's a whole of different this. thing, and you'll be misdiagnosed, and yeah, you'll be given medicine that really messes with your kidneys, and, and you'll forget to tell the doctor that you. In order to fix the, the kidney thing, they'll give thing. you they'll give you medication, which will you know be bad for your heart, and then you'll kind of be in this weird like mixture of cocktails of of different medications until you die yeah okay okay scare warning number one ready yep this is so um margo like goes into the process of the babysitter's club books then the manuscript goes to a copy editor his or her job is to check for and correct mistakes for instance if jackie radowski is wearing a blue shirt at the beginning of a scene he better not be wearing a green one at the end. And so they fucking know. Yeah. They fucking know that he blips in and out, don't they? Yeah, and they need to they need to, They've find got a way just to control it, you know? Try to control it. It's fucking they're, terrifying. They're, they're damage control. You know, yeah. like they know he's blipping and they they need to do everything they can to make sure that no one else figures out that he's blipping. The way it manifests so in the book. So if books, he comes back from a blip yeah. and he's wearing a green shirt, they're like, get him in a blue shirt right fucking yeah. now. We can't have anybody find this out, but we found it out. Right. That's yes. got to be a lot to manage. Yeah. And God bless him. God bless him. They're doing God's work. And God bless Hands America, work. we should say. And God bless America. Yep. Here's another scary. Ready? Yep. And then we're going to go to our, throw to our interview. Yeah, we'll throw it in our interview with Megan and Marissa. Anne likes to give toy gifts or joke gifts to some of her adult friends. One of her favorites was a mirror that laughed at you when you picked it up. She ordered 14 of them. So she has 14 adult friends? Yeah, it sounds like. Okay. 
That's a, I mean, that is a lot. They're called the 14. Right. Babysitter's Club fans may remember this toy from Stacy's Emergency. Yes, Margo, I fucking remember it. Yes, I remember everything, Margo. Anne also likes to give books and flowers. So, and this is, I guess, just scary for, and it doesn't include us, but it's scary for apparently everybody else who gets invited to Anne's fucking big, lavish Christmas parties. Right, these, like, 14 apostles. When Anne comes for Christmas, which is very important to her, we learned from this book. She spends yeah. all year planning for it. You either get a book, a flower, or an enchanted death mirror that fucking laughs at you. Laughs at you. And and you'll know it's your status one or the other. Yeah. with Anne based on what gift you get. And it's like, if you get the enchanted mirror, you better yeah. put some work in this year or else you're not, <laughs> not going to be invited to next year's yeah. Christmas party, you know? Yeah. If you get the book, neutral. Flower, it's the same rules as Bachelor. It means you've you have sort of made it through to the next level. You made it through. And you are yeah. invited and to to go into the bungalow with Anne. Yeah. And one day that will be us. Tanner, I feel like we should uh throw to the interview and then we'll come back and say goodbye. Yes. Okay. And Good guys, gosh. we did a terrible job of teasing this, didn't we? Jack did a terrible job of even teasing it to me. <laughs> <laughs> as you'll discover. Yeah. Right now we're gonna be speaking with Megan Milks and Marissa Crawford, the editors of the upcoming book of essays, which some of us may have written an essay for it. We won't say who, but it was me. Called We Are the Babysitter's Club Essays and Artwork from Grown-Up Readers. Please enjoy our interview with Megan and Marissa. Yes. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Before we say anything, I want to um, throw to Tanner and um, do a, a quick kind of just quiz level check here. Tanner, wh- um, what do you think is happening? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> Jack said we were going to meet up with a couple of people for 15 minutes to discuss something. And I have absolutely no idea what. I have told Tanner on, well, you guys have dealt with me over the last few months. And I'm not the quickest respondent to emails, you may have noticed. You're both very good at following up a few times. Busy people. (laughs) But when when I respond, I seem to know what's going on, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Very decisive. Now, imagine that. But the the person didn't ever read any of the emails. And that's what we've got with Tanner. I so never Tanner, got any emails. <laughs> I've told you so many times what's happening tonight, including yesterday. <laughs> when I was like, are you sure? Are you cool with these guys coming on? He was like, yeah, yay. Um, yeah. I have no idea what's what's going to happen, but I'm cool with it. Would you like to guess? Um... Babysitter's Club related, I'm going to have to assume. Mm-hmm. Are you two the ones writing the book about the Babysitter's Club that Jack contributed to? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Oh, bingo. <laughs> Editing the book. Oh, yeah. Editing the book. Amazing guess. Nailed it. Um, so <laughs> welcome, Megan Milks and Marissa Crawford. And a cat. And a cat. Claude. Claude? Say hi. Claude, Yes. C-L-A-U-D-E, it's not a pun. Cool. 
Um, so uh, tell us what's happening. There's a book. There's a book. Um, there is a book. Um, it is um, an anthology of writing and visual art um, all about the Babysitter's Club. And it is called We Are the Babysitter's Club. Um, essays and artwork from grown-up readers and it's coming out um, July 6th from Chicago Review Press so just coming up really quick and we're really excited to talk with you guys about it. And what would you say is the best and most uh, moving and also funniest essay in the book? Yeah. <laughs> I mean I think it's clear <laughs> that it's yours Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner, did you know that I wrote an essay for this book? I'm I'm just I'm looking through my email yeah. here. <laughs> Let's see, Megan, Marissa, anything from Megan and Marissa about an? You're going to find that me. yes, early on you were on the email and I dropped you off the chain after a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the best. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, I think that we had um, solicited both of you and Jack. You had kind of suggested Tanner was really busy so we understand what a nightmare <laughs> to have the two of us and yeah. then it's just by default it has to be me <laughs> yeah that's awful for you too I'm sorry um but it's been fun we I wrote an essay for the book yeah it's a fantastic essay we're so pleased to have it in the book it's called 13 things a middle-aged man can learn from the babysitters club and it's really, really remarkably funny and witty and, and also quite moving, as you said. And I wrote some nice things about Tanner, and he'll never know because he won't read it. <laughs> I'll read it. Jack, I love your work. <laughs> I read everything you write. Um, so tell us a little bit about the origin of this project. How did it come about? Um, well, so obviously we both grew up um, with the Babysitter's Club and, uh, you know, have found so much joy over the last like 10 years or so seeing other adult uh, readers who grew up and still were like kind of obsessed with the series and spending a lot of time thinking about it and um like you guys just giving a lot of thought and attention to this series um and you know we saw a lot of other uh you know bloggers filmmakers cartoonists just kind of all these different um adult now adult readers of the Babysitter's Club responding to the series in all these different mediums. And um, we were thinking, you know, it's the 35th anniversary of um, the publication of Chrissy's Great Idea, uh, book number one in, in the Babysitter's Club, obviously. And um, we, you know, what if there was a full book dedicated to engaging with the with the series now that we're all grown up? So that was kind of the initial idea. <laughs> and then as we were, uh, Marissa, it was Marissa's idea, really. It was Marissa's great idea. <laughs> and um, she got in touch with me uh, about it uh, because she knew that I was also a fan. Um, and we uh, we were talking about doing a project and then the news broke that the Netflix series, the adaptation was uh, on the way. And so it just seemed like really right, like the time was right for a book like this as Babysitter's Club mania um, was, you know, on the rise. That was the exact opposite of our experience. We were in the middle of some other thing and then mm. the Netflix special broke and like literally like the <laughs> day before like we knew it was coming but like the day before it was out we were like oh we should probably pivot we should and talk probably about do something show. and so god bless the producers of the show who reached out to us and were like <laughs> hey we have the entire cast available to you and we're like uh, uh okay. yes. <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> yeah i listened to your um episode where you all talked with uh rachel shukri 
Amazing. Let me run this by you guys. Uh, Tanner and I have just read the um, authorized biography of Anne Matthews Martin. Ooh. By it's Scholastic. Here she is. Let me run this by you guys. Anne's newest Christmas tradition is her yearly party. She hires a caterer, has the apartment cleaned from top to bottom, pulls out her favorite Christmas decorations, and invites everyone she knows. Mm-hmm. The house smells like hot cider and pine needles. And I don't know, should, should we all, let's all just like at the same time reach down and pull out our invitations to Anne's fucking yearly party. <laughs> like literally four Babysitter's Club super fans... Mm-hmm. Who should be the first on the list? Mm, Would you like to yeah. react to that? <laughs> if you, I guess if you have anything you want to say to Anne now, this is the time to kind of air it. I know, I imagine that your publicists have said that this is the, the often like when a book comes out, when it's still in the pre-order phase, it's the airing of grievances time. Because you want to get that yeah, into yeah. the news That's cycle, what you want. Right. yeah. <laughs> you want to create a little bit of a controversy, you know? <laughs> right? Right. That's what people will click on. We can go first uh, while you think about it, if you want, Tanner. What? How do you Jack, feel? Can I actually? Can I read another passage from the sure. book? Yeah, please. Yeah. And on being successful, I don't like being a celebrity. I don't like being in the spotlight. I never did. It bothers me that it matters to strangers who I am <laughs> and what I do. So, I think great. It's- Thanks, Anne. Thanks for validating our work. Mm. She's a true Marianne. <laughs> right. Oh man, I wish I had wish I had that I wish you had run this. biography. Yeah. Looks it's, amazing. Uh, it's you fun. can get it on Amazon for five bucks. Yeah. So. It's, it's by Margot Becker with Ooh. Anna Martin, mm-hmm. which I, is funny. That Anne was like, ah, help with this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what are some of the other lesser essays in the in the book? We've talked a lot about my essay, which um, I guess you guys have said that it's the funniest and most heartwarming. Is that I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's, it's you would say that it's the funniest and the most heartwarming. Both of those. We're nodding. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I guess say some of the other ones. We don't want to spend too much time on them, but you can say some of the other ones. If you want. OK, well. The book starts off with this really amazing, creepy, uh, kind of sexy essay by uh, Kristen Arnett, whose new book, With Teeth, just just came out, I think, last week, uh, and is also really terrific. But uh, Kristen's essay for the book is called On Role Playing? Fun with Role Playing. Fun with Role Playing. Fun with Role Playing, excuse me. Um, and it's it's about uh, having the, like doing these erotic role playing exercises involving the babysitters club characters um, when she was a kid and uh, growing up in a conservative uh, religious household. Does that seem like an accurate description of, of that essay? I mean, it, it goes a lot of places, but um, it's a really unexpected uh, yeah. personal essay about the series. Yeah, yeah, her piece is pretty amazing. Um, we also have another personal essay from Miriam Gerba um, that is actually an excerpt of it just went up on the rumpus and people can check out a sneak peek of it there. Um, it's kind of about like learning economics lessons um, and teaching economics as an actual, um, I believe, high school teacher um, through the Babysitter's Club books. It's pretty incredible. Um, and 
Yeah, a, a lot of incredible pieces. We have a forward from Mara Wilson in the book, who, of course, is um, an amazing writer and actress who is famously played uh, Matilda in the um, 90s, is the 90s um, movie Matilda. And um, yeah, um, a great piece by uh, Sue Ding, who's... Um, whose wonderful uh, short documentary film Claudia Kishi Club is up on Netflix, um, all about kind of uh, Asian American creatives who were inspired by Claudia Kishi. Um, yeah, a lot of fantastic essays and some artwork um, as well. Uh, Shoban Gallagher's Jaded Quitters Club um, illustration series, kind of like imagining these like ambitious young girls as jaded, depressed adults, which is, I think, super relatable for a lot of people who grew up with the series. I'm, th I'm realizing from, because I haven't seen any of the other ones, that a lot of this stuff feels a lot like higher caliber than what I did. Is there, I don't know, I know it's late in the game, but is it possible to kind of push my essay to the, just to the front, just for people who like, mm. maybe you're just gonna read the first one and duck right. out? Do you think? And maybe I'll do I'll do like a foreword just for Jack's essay. <laughs> Can we have that? Is it too late for that? Just to sort of like hype it up a yeah. little bit. You know? Yeah, I mean the book's coming out in a few weeks, but I think we okay. could like talk to the publisher about. So we've got that, a few maybe. weeks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I forgot to put in my writer um, that I need my hype man. Yeah. To kind of just, just come in, quick, write a little forward, just like three paragraphs, know? rhyming couplets. And we'll, we'll have to make room for a lot of illustrations because yeah, mm. I've got a notebook full of them. <laughs> so. It sounds a like a, a great book. It sounds like anyone who is a fan of our podcast will probably love this book and the essays in it. So I am I am certainly excited to read it. And Jack, I am most excited to read your essay. Yeah, good. Obviously, I can't wait. I uh, I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I we just did an episode. Uh, I wrote five years ago. I wrote a, um, <laughs> a four paragraph piece called "A Time to Killborn," which yeah. is. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the story of, as you may know, Shannon Kilborn, associate babysitter, is actually a secret agent who works for the CIA and didn't have time to put it in the books. Um, so I, I wrote it um, and sent it to Tanner in 2016. And yeah. it was four paragraphs. And, and I loved it. I loved never, it when I read it last week. For the never first read it until last week when we actually had to record an episode on it. So four years from now, yeah. we're going to have you guys back on. <laughs> and Tanner's gonna to be like, I finally read the Jack's essay. essay. <laughs> yeah, I listened to Time to Killborn, um, and yeah, I was really blown away. I think we all were really wondering what was going on with with Shannon. Oh, I'm glad you listened. Um, Is it too late to put um, a Time to Killborn in the book? Or we can just make that the book. We can let's, just flesh out the entire <laughs> thing, the entire story. It's not too late. Let's do this. Let's do this. Mara Wilson. If you, guys, if you just want to put it? us in touch with your publisher and yeah. Mara, that would be great too. We'll, we'll kind of <laughs> it's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, tell us when the book is coming out and tell us anything else that we need to know about how to get this um, awesome anthology. It's coming out on July 6th of this year uh, from Chicago Review Press. You can pre-order it through Amazon, Bookshop, anywhere you want, really. Um, and we have a couple of events. Um, Jack will be on our launch event. We'll be appearing on our launch event along with a few other 
a, a whole, actually a, a really fantastic accelerant lineup of, of contributors. And that is on Tuesday, July 6th, um, virtual, of course, so anyone can show up, uh, will be hosted by a room of one's own. Uh, we'll have information. But it will be available. Do you want to tell the listeners how many times you had to email me to send you a one sentence bio and confirmation <laughs> that I would be appearing at the event? Not that bad, you know? Let's say less than 10, more than three. <laughs> right? That's fair. You've already recorded an audiobook of it? Yeah, I mean, an audiobook is in the works. We um, we just recorded the the um, the introduction. Megan and I recorded the introduction, and we recorded our own essays because um, Megan and I each have essays of our own in the book. And then, yeah, they're going to be putting together the full audiobook. So I'm not, I think that will probably be available in July as well, or soon after. Um, but yeah, really excited for um, some of the virtual events, and we'll be sharing more details on those soon. But but yeah, this is great. I'm so excited to to pick this up. And Jack, I'm really looking forward to your essay. Yeah, it's good. It's about you. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful essay about your friendship. I'm not. It wasn't the essay about being middle aged. <laughs> yeah, that too. I'm not middle aged. <laughs> Who is? That's what we all say. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Yes, um, thank you. I'm excited yeah. about this book. Thanks so much. Congratulations. For us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're back. And we're back. Thank you, Megan and Marissa. It was such a treat to have and you guys. And they're gone. Uh, anything else you want to plug or pitch while you're here? They have left. They've gone. They've gone. Oh. They're gone. It's just you and me now, Tanner. Okay. Uh, do you wish you had written an essay for the book? Not really. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of work. It was a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> but it, in retrospect, I'm glad that it was in the it's in the thing. Yeah, I'm glad you did it. I I did go back. I was like, I don't re- I don't know what this is. Yeah, and I went back to my email and looked, and you did send me a nice email that was like, <laughs> I assume you do not have time for this. I will handle it. It was it was during a busy period at, yeah. at work. <laughs> you said, I assume you do not have time for this. I will handle it. Is that okay? And I never responded to you. And you. <laughs> You handled it anyway, and yeah. you handled it well. And I'm yeah. looking forward to reading your your essay in this yeah. in this compilation of essays. Good, please everybody pre-order it. It'll make me look good. And Jack gets, a, I assume, Jack gets a little kickback for every book sold. How many essays are in it? <laughs> That's nice of you to assume that. What, I like think Mara Wilson gets all the kickbacks. Fifteen essays, <laughs> so you're probably going to get one fifteen for every book sold. <laughs> I hope so. I'm looking forward to those checks. In the meantime, I would like to thank you very much for bearing with me, Tanner. I would like to thank the Baby Nation for bearing with us. I would like to thank Megan Milks and Marissa Crawford for coming on to our show. Um, I would like to tell everybody you must subscribe to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash podcast. We have a whole fucking other show, and it's only $5 a month, and it supports our family, and also it's pretty good, and we're really upping our game on the songs lately. You know what else is good? Guys, we haven't said this in a while subscribe to the show i think yes a lot of people listen to the show and don't subscribe it really helps us a lot if you hit subscribe um yeah. for real it makes a difference subscribe to our show um and thank you for doing it and and write us a review on itunes um mm-hmm. join our facebook group uh, it's uh, the baby nation facebook group on 
guess what? Facebook. Oh, and buy our merch. It's bit.ly slash BSCC merch. This week we read a novel. It was called Anna Martin, the story of the author of The Babysitter's Club. Next week. Club. Oh, sorry. It's just the one. Force of habit. Next week, something. We forgot to plan it, but it'll be something fun. And finally, all that remains is for me to say that this week my name has been Jack Alexander Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. Please remember to round off the corners in your bedroom, drown on your dolls, call your senator, and demand your right to bear time. And do not forget to let daddy love you as much as I do. Remember the Delaney's. Remember the trip, man. Take your dream horse through that maze. Claudia is wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. You know how Miles says another one now? How? Another one. Another one? He sees he sees a city bus, he says, city bus. And then yeah. another city bus, he says, another one. Another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. Be very.